0: Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Did anyone watch the Oscars last night? I just love award shows. Uh, I just think it's so fun to see people get dressed up and get honored for something that they put a lot of time and work into. And it just got me thinking that if there was a grand quilting award show. What would I be nominated for? So I asked my co-workers to have a little fun and share their thoughts on what award they'd win for quilting. I love the idea of taking the time to just, you know, be proud of yourself and kind of be impressed with your own skills and not be afraid to share it with the world. So, I'm going to pass the mic off so our staff can make their acceptance speeches.
1: <laughs> I'm Jody Sanders. If I were to give myself a quilting award, it would be... The Maker of Mini Magic. I love to take full-size quilt block patterns and reduce them in size. The most popular size of a quilt block is 12 inches square. But for me, that just seems huge i will probably reduce that down to about a four inch square yes i know it's futsy hey that is a real word i checked but i love the look of a small quilt block i used to make bed size quilts but now i'm more apt to make a small wall hanging to get accuracy with small pieces i use foundation paper piecing i draft patterns on graph paper or use eq and then i copy the pattern onto lightweight newsprint I also enjoy English paper piecing, and when doing EPP, I typically scale down the size of the pieces then, too. So, for example, instead of a one-inch hexagon, I'm more likely to use my quilt with a half-inch hexagon. I also love to do fussy cutting, and that for me is easier with smaller pieces. By making smaller quilts, I can work out a design idea or a color combo without the time and materials it takes to make a larger project.
2: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Stumbo, Art Director for American Patchwork and Quilting. If I were to receive a quilting award, it would probably be for owning the smallest fabric stash. To many quilters, this may not seem like something to be particularly proud of, But owning a small fabric stash is what works best for me. Now I'm a firm believer that every quilter should own the amount of fabric that brings them the most joy. And for me personally, owning a small curated collection of fabric brings me the most joy. Now I used to have a larger stash and I would find myself randomly purchasing fat quarters that I fell in love with when shopping. But then I never got around to using them and they would just sit being unused and unloved. Instead of my fabric collection inspiring me, it was doing the exact opposite. It often made me feel overwhelmed and stressed out. I suppose the best way I can describe it is that I would look at my fabric stash and I would just see one never ending to do list, but one without a plan. So over the past two years, I have de and donated a lot of my fabrics. All of my fabrics now fit inside of a medium-sized plastic bin, and every fabric is assigned to a specific pattern that I know I will make one of these days. Now, don't get me wrong, I still love fabric shopping, and I often give myself permission to purchase new fabrics and patterns. It only means that I purchase fabrics for a specific project in mind, though. Now, the downside of having a small fabric stash is that it is very difficult to make scrappy quilts. And I love seeing what other people make with their scrappy fabrics and their big fabric stash. However, the benefits of having a small stash far outweigh any negatives for me personally. The positives I experience by owning less fabric is that I have less clutter in my very small sewing space. I rarely experience buyer's remorse. And most important, is that I feel more creative and more motivated. For those reasons, I proudly award myself the smallest Stash Award.
3: This is editor Doris Brunette. If I were to give myself a quilting award, it would probably be first rate fussy cutter. I sew mostly with medium to large scale prints and planning my projects and my cutting to be able to highlight a favorite part of a design or a cute motif from a novelty print just makes me happy. Two of my favorite fabric designers are Tula Pink and Heather Ross. Anyone familiar with their designs can understand how both designers' fabrics lend themselves to fussy cutting. I finished three quilts so far in 2022, and two of the three include fussy cutting of tiny pieces, no less. In July of 2019, I finished a wall quilt with 13 feathered star blocks and four small setting stars, And every piece of the stars are fussy cut from various Heather Ross prints. A lot of people think that's nuts, but I have fun making quilts this way and it brings me joy. So when I travel or just can't be near my sewing machine, I enjoy doing English paper piecing to keep my hands and mind occupied. My EPP pieces are almost always fussy cut. I think fussy cutting appeals to me because of the way I've always looked at the world. As a child, I was obsessed with anything in miniature and the visual details of everything. Flowers, toys, book illustrations, you name it. I spent a lot of my free time drawing, and my dream was to illustrate books when I grew up. Actually, it kind of still is my dream. But for now, I'll stick to fussy cutting and illustrating with fabric.
4: Hi, I'm Allison, the designer of Quilts and More, and I'd give myself an award for choosing fabrics. Nothing is more exciting to me than pulling together different fabrics at the start of a new project. As a graphic designer, I'm constantly working with color and figuring out pleasing palettes. This skill translates perfectly into quilting. Of course, color isn't the only factor to consider when curating fabrics. Print, scale, and style must also be taken into consideration. This is the part of the quilting process that I enjoy the most. Making sure all these elements come together in a pleasing way is a fun and satisfying challenge, made even more enjoyable when I see the finished quilt and it looks exactly how I'd imagined. Although combining colors comes easily to me, I've had to learn how to combine prints through trial and error throughout my quilting journey. When I first started out, I used fabric collections, so I didn't have to worry about prints working together. All the work was done for me. After using collections, I came to learn that the variety in print and scale were essential to making the overall look a success. I applied what I was seeing in collections into my own fabric pulls. For example, if I have a busy floral print, I make sure to balance it out with a small tone-on-tone polka dot. For every print I select from my stash, I also try to grab one that visually balances it out. Once I have all my fabrics selected, I take a step back and evaluate if everything is working together. From there, I either go with what I have or do a bit of substituting. Selecting fabrics and combining them in new ways brings me so much joy. When I'm in a creative rut, I sometimes just sit on the floor with all my fabric and play with different combinations, even if I have no plans on using them in a quilt.
0: Hey it's Lindsay. It's my turn to share what I'd be nominated for and I think I would win the award for quilt math and changing a pattern for my needs. I've rarely ever made a quilt how it's written. Uh, I'm so bad at it. I see a pattern and immediately think how I'd want to change it. Could be changing the layout, uh, changing the colors, Changing even the construction method um, and even changing the size of the pieces and the blocks used in the quilt. I just cannot help it. Um, here's an example. So, I was recently making a granny square quilt that was written for one and a half inch squares. But my scraps are cut into two and a half inch squares, and I did not feel like cutting new pieces. So, I ended up using my scraps, which changed the size of the blocks. And that also changed the number of blocks I needed to make the quilt. And then I also changed the layout because um, I wanted the quilt to be more rectangular instead of square, like the pattern. And then I had to redo all the math for the borders. (laughs) So uh, I think I just, I will never settle for making a pattern one way. If I can make a pattern for my exact space, my exact fabrics, and my exact needs, and that kind of skill has opened a whole wide world of patterns and even inspiration up to me. And this is actually a really funny award to give myself because I went to school for journalism because I hated math. <laughs> math was not my friend. Um words were my friend. So it's very funny that my journalism career ended up being a lot of math and a lot of writing too, but um, I'm I'm just very proud of myself that I can do the hard math and that I can write and alter quilt patterns as I need. So it's a skill I never thought I'd have, but it's one I'm excited to excel at. So I'd love to hear the quilting award you'd give yourself. So please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com and let me know. Um, it's time to celebrate yourself and I want to help and you know Send positive emails back and forth. So we're going to take a quick ad break now, but when we come back, we're chatting with Jen Kingwell. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Elizabeth for her chat with the amazing Jen Kingwell. Jen is an Australian quilt store owner fabric and pattern designer, and she just published her second book called Quilt Recipes. I am just so, so thrilled that we could figure out the time difference to get this interview with her, so please enjoy.
2: Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We are just so thrilled to have you here. And I just have to say, it's perfect timing because this week I'm actually working on the layouts for the profile story that we're featuring for you in our August issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. So I am just so thrilled that our podcast listeners get to have this kind of a sneak peek introduction to you.
5: Fantastic. It's lovely to be here.
2: Yeah. So you are such a prolific quilter and designer and business owner Um, I was thinking we could just start right at the beginning and just have you describe a little bit about your journey to where you're at right now
5: in quilting. Look I sort of I feel like I was led down a path to do this really because none of it um, I know this sounds really weird but none of it was really my idea. Um, The shop came first and I bought into that with a friend because she was sort of Um, just going through a time in her life where she was looking for something different and found a quilt shop that was for sale, wanted to buy it, but didn't want to do it on her own. So um, I joined her in that, but it was on a very part-time basis because I was still, I'm I'm a midwife by trade. So I was still working as a midwife and I just, you know, she really ran the shop and I'd just float in and out and have a bit of a play with fabric a couple of days (laughs) a week or something. So that was sort of the beginning. And then, um, she retired and I ended up with the quilt shop but um it and then Sue Spargo came to teach and she really encouraged me to start doing like patterns of the quilts that I'd made that you know at the time I was just printing out a a handwritten pattern in the shop and giving it out to people that you know wanted to make something so it was really Sue that um got me started on the journey and I'm very grateful to her so I, I every step along the way it some amazing person has been sort of responsible for getting me into doing what I'm doing so I would without them I'd still be delivering babies probably and not, <laughs> not and just sort of doing a bit of stitching on the weekend so I yeah I have it I have lots of really talented and wonderful people to thank for the journey. Mm-hmm. I love that when people can lift up other people in the same industry
2: and kind of help them along the way that's such a yeah. great story so and I'm sure you do the same for other designers after you. I will try yeah. Yes. <laughs> so were you a quilter before you owned the, the shop part-time?
5: And you- yeah look I was I, I made my um, very first quilt in the early 70s. Uh, when I started my nursing training, the, we had to live in the accommodation house and the very first night there I went to the communal um, sitting room and people were making English like doing English paper piecing and making Mm -hmm. a grandmother's flower garden quilt. And so I thought I had this little box of scraps that I'd collected over the years. My mum's best friend was a beautiful seamstress. And so I'd gathered all her little scraps because I was, you know, right back as a little child. I was interested in colour and textiles, clearly didn't Mm -hmm. really understand what I was doing but I was collecting scraps right back then so um, I I gathered those scraps and the very first quilt I made I think I was probably 18 and that was a grandmother's flower garden quilt so it and you know I went off and tried all sorts of other crafts over the years like everybody I've had a go at everything you know from macrame to mosaics and ceramics and all sorts of things but I always kept coming back you know uh, there was always a quilt being made that punctuated everything Mm -hmm. else I tried so that was sort of always the I guess the fundamental craft that really sort of struck me my heartstrings so yeah
2: well I have to say when I um, you know was first introduced to your quilting and met you at quilt market years and years ago I was instantly just like enamored with your style you have such a very specific aesthetic and I can look at you know, one of your patterns or your fabric lines. And I'm like, that is a Jen Kingwell original. Like, I know that is her pattern. Um, For any of our listeners that might not be familiar with your style yet, can you kind of explain a little bit about what makes your patterns yours?
5: It's really funny you say that, Elizabeth, because I I sometimes struggle that I have a unique look. I sometimes worry that it's just sort of... uh, I don't know. You know how I guess it's hard to sometimes look at your own work and be objective. I suppose, Mm but um, I'm a relatively traditional culture. Like I don't a lot of the blocks I use are you know blocks that are in the um, you know public domain. I love things like Churn Dash and Orange Peel blocks and things like that. So um, I do design um, new blocks occasionally, but I do use a lot of really traditional blocks and. I guess the fabric, as far as the fabric goes, is <clears throat> I love, well, you know, I love a lot of fabric, a lot of different fabric in one quilt. So I am a true scrap quilter. Mm-hmm. And I think <clears throat> um, I, for me, it's all about the colour. You know, like for, for me, making a quilt is about the choice of colour and print. Um, and I don't love things that match incredibly well like I like that little point of difference with color that really um I want to say it creates tension in a Mm -hmm. quilt you know like if something's just not exactly the same shade or it's just not quite right I think that's what adds a lot of visual interest so Mm -hmm. um yeah I I I find that question really hard to be (laughs) honest. yeah I I just make what I love
2: yeah oh I love that yeah um Well, and I think like what you were saying about fabrics is that you, that tension, it's like, I look at some of your fabrics and I'm like, oh, I would never have thought to pair those fabrics or those patterns together. But every time you do, it just is beautiful. And the end result is just um, so stunning. And I, I feel like some of those things that maybe other quilters might shy away from, like combining bold stripes with like delicate florals, like you embrace that a lot of the time.
5: Yeah, I do, and I, I always say that when I'm teaching a class and we're talking about this, a lot of people will, um, you know, for example, might say, I love contemporary fabrics, <laughs> so they will never shop the reproduction section mm-hmm of a store because uh, that's reproduction. I don't, you know, like reproduction fabrics. But there are so many things that work together. So you can put some of those quirky reproduction stripes or, you know, just some of those like the poison greens, the cheddars and things that pop up in reproduction that will work so beautifully with a, a contemporary line of fabric. And so I always say shop the entire store. Like don't sort of say I'm only going to use... Or I'm only going to use reproduction fabric. Like you need to sort of, I think, have a look at everything together and then, you know, like, yeah, it just it, it adds visual interest as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
2: So when you um, so you're also a fabric designer for Moda and you've had several fabric collections. Is that something when you're sitting down and designing your own fabric collections that you keep in mind that you want it to kind of um break across like definition almost and like you you don't want to be necessarily classified as like contemporary or a certain category
5: yeah that I do try and sort of I think about that and the other thing that um I I know it sounds like a bizarre thing but I try and design a range of fabric that is going to look like a scrap quilt Mm. when it's completed so it sort of goes against I guess what a lot of other designers when they're designing a line of fabric they want it to coordinate and work really well together Mm. I'm trying to sort of um, think about when we put these prints together that you will get that scrappy quilt look from one um, fabric range. And sometimes it works better than others. I will admit <laughs> some of my fabric ranges have been more successful than others, but um, that, that's sort of part of what I'm thinking about.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes it so unique too, because for, for someone like myself, I'm not a big scrappy person. I don't have a big fabric collection. But I look at your quilts that are scrappy and I'm like, I want to achieve that look. And how do I do that if I don't have an extensive stash? Well, I can purchase your fabrics and you've yeah. already kind of helped set that tone. So I really appreciate yeah. that about your fabric. Thank you. So I think they're really fun. Um, where do you find your inspiration when you're sitting down and working on a new fabric line or a new pattern?
5: You know, it's like that old saying of inspirations everywhere. It's so true, and I think one of the best lessons in life that I ever had was I was really fortunate one to spend a day with Kay Fassett and Brandon mm. Mabley and we went to a couple of art museums, and it was, and then had a walk through like a garden, and just just sort of spent basically just spent the day together having a look at things, and I watched Kay and how he looked at the world and he he pointed out a couple of things to me during the day that I thought I literally have been through this part of town a million times and I've never noticed that because it was uh, the shadow that the tram, you know, that we have trams like trolley cars, uh-huh. it was the shadow that the wires that they run on made on the road from this mm. and I thought I have literally driven through this intersection thousands of times and I've never once noticed that, that and so it for me it, he, he opened up a whole new sort of way of looking at just common day things to see print and pattern and it was a it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah that sounds incredible what a great opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure it's very fortunate. Great
2: <clears throat> well so we've talked a little bit about your patterns and your fabric lines. Now I want to talk about your
5: book because you've published your very first book <laughs> uh, yeah well, it's actually my second book, but oh, it's the second. first one that we've published yeah That's so published. I did one I did one I think that came out in two thousand and fifteen, which was the very first one I did but this one yeah i we self published just um, <clears throat> I had this like really clear vision about what I wanted, and mm-hmm. I didn't um. I wanted it to be exactly what I wanted it to be, so I felt that we had to do it ourselves so that we could get that um, translation and have it finished that way. So it um, was a huge learning curve because it was just a really small team that worked on it, and um, yeah, it was it was it was fun, but it was it was a it was a big learning curve for yeah, us. Yeah, I bet.
2: So the book is called Quilt Recipes. And it's really unique format. And it's just like, when I hold it in my hand, it's. I just have to tell our listeners, like, it is beautiful. Like, the feel of it, the look of the photography, every detail is just stunning. So congratulations. Like, I I feel like you've definitely achieved what you set out to do. Um, But, yeah, so it's called Quilt Recipes. Could you tell us a little bit more about what readers
5: could find inside of the book? So, yeah, the the name was just such a simple. We were trying to come up with, like, some – fancy name and and um so the book contains both quilt patterns and my recipes from my childhood and so when we were um working on it and we had some you know a mood board we had um on one side quilts and on the other side recipes (laughs) and so we were looking for a name and then we're like Recipes, <laughs> but, you know. and my first book was called quilt lovely so we thought it sort of follows that theme of you know so that's how the name came about which was quite funny but mm-hmm. um I've I've had I had this idea of doing this book for uh look I say 10 years but I think probably now it's more like 15 years or something <laughs> and I'd always thought I wanted to um My mum wasn't a crafter or a sewer in any way, but she was a beautiful baker. And so she, growing up as a child, if, you know, anyone from the birth of a baby to, you know, someone losing a loved one, mum would show her her love language, I guess, for the want of a better word, Mm. um, in food. And there was always a a big bake-up and she'd pack it beautifully in a basket with a, you know, check tablecloth and a a bundle of food would be left for people on their door. And I, you know, it's a very country thing, I think, to do here in Australia. So I'd sort of grown up with that... um, I guess it was just such a fond memory for me. Mm-hmm. And now I find that people will make a handmade gift for someone in a similar way. So, you know, like it nothing says you love someone or care about someone as much as a, some sort of handmade gift. And so I came up with this idea that I wanted to sort of marry the two together and showcase the family recipes that I had grown up with, but also then with what I do and how I show, you know, love and affection to my family and what mm-hmm. have you, by making things. So um, that that was the concept behind it. But there was a lot of talk about it. And it probably took the good old coronavirus to really sort of, you know, I wasn't traveling for work. I had more time on my hands. And so it was like, and and we had the right team together. So it was, mm-hmm. we'll do it now. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it came about. Oh, that's great. Well,
2: I see a lot of, I mean, I love what you say about, you know, people, doing hand making gifting handmade things whether it's food or quilts because I do feel like a lot of those things like punctuate milestones in people's life you have a baby you drop off a casserole and you drop off a baby quilt someone gets married the same kind of thing so it's such a unique idea to think about how quilting and baking has those similarities and also you I think I read this in your book that you said that both quilts and
5: food symbolize comfort yes Um, yes that's really very much I I I feel that that's very much the the case you know like if you're feeling a bit down to snuggle up in a quilt and have a cookie you know has to brighten up your day sounds (laughs) like the perfect solution (laughs) yeah yeah well and you and you ended up dedicating the book to your mom right yeah I did I did she was a very special lady my mom so um it you know a real my parents were very community minded they you know farmers but they if yeah they just were they'd help anybody out and do anything and they are very special people but it was my mum that was the baker not my dad he just ate it, <laughs> just ate it. he had to enjoy the all the fruits of her labor. He did. <laughs> yeah. he did.
2: And are most of the recipes or
5: all of the recipes hers? You said they're from your childhood they are the recipes are all things that I grew up with and um, I've I think the chocolate cake um, I now make a chocolate ganache for it which that wasn't something my mum did it would just have chocolate icing on top of it but um, a couple of things have been slightly tweaked but really they are all recipes that were from my mum she had this big sort of leather Bound book that had all you know snippets out of pa- newspapers of recipes and handwritten recipes and one thing that she always which I've tried to do in the been true to in the book too she always wrote who had given her that recipe so it was always like Lillian's chocolate cake or Maisie's ginger biscuits you know so that was always <laughs> punctuated throughout so that you could follow the almost the, the family tree of recipes so yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Hey, it's
0: Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Jen. So we
2: talked a little bit about the recipes. What about the patterns in the book? Are they, um, I know you use templates a lot in your patterns, and you also personally love to hand quilt. And I noticed that some of the um, patterns in, also in the book also are um, for hand quilting and also for machine quilting was that something you were really excited
5: to uh, include yeah look I think in the in my perfect world I would hand piece and hand quilt absolutely everything because mm-hmm. I just I love the process I always say that I need a bottle of tranquilizers beside my sewing machine because I'm <laughs> not a, I'm not a fantastic machine stitcher but I I I do understand that not everybody wants to sew their quilts by hand. So I sort of felt it was important to have a little of each in the book so that there was something in there that everybody could perhaps have a go at making. And, um, you know, but yeah, I, I just love to hand piece. So that's what I usually do. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. I can't wait to dig into it myself more and uh, hopefully
2: make a recipe and maybe even a quilt one of these days from it. Fantastic. Beautiful. Um, Okay. So let's transition here a little bit and talk a little bit about your shop. So you've had this textile shop for a while and can you tell us a little bit about that? It's located in, uh, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Torquay, Australia perfect thank you thanks to google for that one (laughs) (laughs) what what makes your shop so special
5: what do you love about it do you know it's um so this i've owned amity textiles for um i i think the shop itself is 18 years old and um but we moved it from melbourne you know big city down to the Torquay's a coastal town so it's a surf a surf beach and a surf town so um, and and not terribly big i think during winter it's probably got somewhere between 10 and 15,000 residents and then in summer it sort of blows up because it's a a resort town but we moved down here to live and um, then um, once again, led down a path because the shop in Melbourne, I was told by the owner that they weren't going to renew the lease because they were going to demolish the building and build apartments on the site. So we had to move the store and we thought, let's move it you know, closer to where we live. And um, we just found this amazing old, it's actually in an industrial area. It's in an old sandstone warehouse Um, it's got these really high ceilings so the ceilings are about nine meters so 20 28 feet or something like that so really high ceilings so we've got huge scope to hang quilts um, and it's just big and open and sort of inviting but I guess the best part about it was it had room to put a cafe in in there so we have a cafe which you know ties in with the book so well because um, we have a pastry chef, Tana, who bakes everything on site so it's all um – homemade and just delicious and so the store smells amazing because there's always coffee brewing and um and capes baking so yeah it's it, it just adds sort of like another um sensory dimension to walking into a fabric store I and mean, we're already hit with color and print and all sorts of things like that but then you have the the sensory experience of all those amazing smells so it, yeah. it to me it's like a marriage made in heaven Sounds like a quilter's paradise. I would never yeah. want to leave. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a trap. I actually used to have it, My studio was in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got offices upstairs and I had my studio there, but the coffee, the cake, and then just the... Um, Interruptions, and that was me interrupting myself by going downstairs to to play and talk to people all day. I've actually moved. I, I work mostly from my studio at home now, just because I'm a bit more prolific when I'm here. <laughs> Probably a little bit more focused. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: totally understand that. <laughs> well, it sounds like an amazing place that you've created, and an amazing community too that you've created. So, yeah, it's
5: pretty you, special host lots of events there too in classes or you know that was the whole idea we've got like quite a big workshop area we can seat 32 people really comfortably but Mm -hmm. um and also when we were designing it everything is on wheels so the fabric shelves and everything. If we want to sort of host a bigger event, we can move everything to one side, mm-hmm. which is pretty special. And we were having and doing some amazing events. And then, of course, you know, the last two, you no, know, two and a, two years, we haven't really done anything at all. We used to have things like um, lunch club where. Tana our chef would cook lunch for everybody while they you know sat and stitched mm-hmm. for the day and we had a whole weekend retreat um, called handcrafted which was going to become an annual event but of course we haven't had that for a couple of years and mm-hmm. um but we do we just sort of starting to think about getting the workshops up and running again now. I've been a little bit tentative about every time we seem to plan something we'd get another wave of yeah. of COVID and you know everything would be sort of closed down again. So we've we've really taken our time to get started again with all that sort of thing been a tough well, year for every year, couple of years for everybody yeah hasn't it it's, it has well it yeah. doesn't
2: sound like you've been uh bored during that time since no. you've been <laughs> busy with your book no. and everything else so you've yeah. made good use of it so I have great. well you mentioned a little bit that you now have a your sewing space in your home what is your sewing space like is it you know, do you thrive in a very clean, organized environment? Do you have a lot of UFOs everywhere? What is what is that like? Um,
5: yeah, I my sewing space is fairly um, plain and simple compared to a lot of people's sewing space. Um, I like clean lines and surfaces Mm -hmm. and I have I don't have to have you know a lot of people in their sewing room or studio they have to have a a stash of what they um, need to make something I use my store as my stash Mm -hmm. so I don't you know I work on literally on I've got some tubs that um, each project goes into that I'm working on um, and the rest of the stash is at at my store,
1: yeah. I'm
5: not so neat and tidy in my room at the store. It, there's a bit of a mess there because it, mm-hmm. it can be messy there. Um, but I, I yeah, I I guess it's uh, we, being at the coast, we've got a lot of windows in the house. So there's not a huge amount of wall space to put things um, it's just very, yeah, very clean lines yeah. and, and surfaces and uh, some nice artwork on the wall and mm-hmm. sewing machine at one end of my desk and my little design area at the other and then I've got a cutting table in the middle and that's mm-hmm. and, and a comfy chair to sit and stitch in and that's all that's, you need. All that's in there. Yeah. Yep. And of course your, your dog nearby to keep you company. Uh, yes, she's right underneath my feet at the <laughs> moment wait. as we speak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> got to love it. Got to get them involved in it too. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Do you have any exciting projects happening in the future you can share with us? Uh, Another book
5: maybe or a fabric line? (laughs) I was thinking I've got a fabric line that I'm working on at the moment. I'm not the most prolific motor designer, that's for sure. I probably only really do about one line a year. Um, But so I am working on that at the moment. Um, I, I would love to share some things with you, but I have got a couple of secret projects i'm working on that aren't actually therefore like a third party so Mm -hmm. i have to keep them under wraps Um, i am just in the design process now for a new block of the month program that will run from my shop later in the year Um, i'm thinking we might run it as a mystery i'm not quite sure but i've I've sort of got a fair bit of it planned and several of the blocks made And yeah, that's, and then there's always um, a few UFOs lying around. Like I posted on Instagram the other day, I found some, a thing that I'd completely forgotten I'd ever started. And I was just sort of looking for something else. I was like, what's in that bag there? Oh my heavens, I forgot I started that. It was just (laughs) like a little robbing Peter to pay Paul pattern so I've dragged that out and put pinned it up on the design wall just to remind myself that it's there to stitch so quite often I mean it's really I think sometimes that when I was working on quilt recipes and I was very quiet on social media I think people just thought I was sitting around sort of you know having a lovely time on the beach or something (laughs) but there are so many things that you Um, as a designer and everybody will have the same problem that you might be working on, as I said, for a third party or like it might be something going into a magazine or something like that that you can't share. Um, And also you don't want to share, like for my book, I didn't want to share things too soon because people... We do live in a bit of a an instantaneous world. So if you post something, people want the pattern right then and there and, yes. you and you know, with a publication it takes some time to actually, you know, yes. get it to fruition. So you don't want to share too early and also yes. you don't want to give good ideas away too early because <laughs> there are very prolific people out there that sometimes will make it before you're even mm-hmm. um you know ready to to get it out there so it's yeah. um you yeah, know sometimes you just have to sit a little quietly on what you're doing yeah I'm sure it's a delicate balance of it is know, people engaged in <laughs> teasing but not <laughs> teasing in a bad way exactly <laughs> Exactly. getting exactly.
2: people excited without getting yeah. your hearts broken <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so right so, well we will anxiously await your future projects I'm (laughs) sure whatever they are they'll be amazing
5: (laughs) they're coming they are coming good we'll
2: be anxious for them well I love to wrap up all of our interviews with what we call some rapid fire questions so I have five questions for you that I'll ask you and whatever comes to mind first just blurt it out (laughs) all right number one what step of the quilting process do you most enjoy the fabric choices. Mm -hmm. Okay. I could see that. Yep. Uh, Number two, do you
5: have a favorite notion or product that you couldn't quilt without? Um, I use my little portable design wrapy thing all the time because I I travel a lot and I cut out my pieces and put them in there. Mm -hmm. So it's something I use every single day. And that's the product that you created yourself,
2: right? It's like a little roll up thing. Yeah. Yes. That's so clever.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah um
5: okay what is a quilt project that you are currently working on so i am working on my new block of the month for me but i do also have two other secret projects in the pipeline okay. more secrets i see
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay and uh oh this was a good one what's uh what is a
5: favorite recipe that you like to bake for special occasions so the powder puffs out of cro- recipes is um something that I do for yeah for if like birthdays and things or if we're having you know guests over I will bake them um and they're the most requested thing I think that my family that they all go yeah. if I ever say what do you want for your birthday it's always powder puffs so I <laughs> always have to have one of those recipes in our back pocket <laughs> that
2: like we're yeah. known for right <laughs> exactly yeah, that's great they look they look so good. <laughs> um, okay. Last question. What do you love about being a quilter and part of
5: the quilting community? The people I have met some of the most amazing people. Like I really like pe- people now that I, you know, truly call great friends I've met just through stitching and quilting. So yeah, definitely has to be the, the people yes. in the community. Yep. Great.
2: Well, Jen, thank you so much for being a a guest on our podcast. I've loved our conversation with you. And just to like tease our audience and listeners a little bit, I think they're going to love seeing the profile feature in the magazine where they can see, you know, a lot of the things we've talked about, your shop, your space, and uh, all of your beautiful
5: patterns. So thank you. It's been such fun talking with you today. Thanks so much for having me. And I hope I'm going to be at market in October. So I hope yes.
2: I'll see you. No, okay, That would be so great. And I cannot wait to try and make those ginger biscuits from your book. They look so delicious. Uh, they are good. They're
5: good. Yeah. All
2: right.
0: Thanks so much. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks so much to Jen and Elizabeth for that chat. I could listen to Jen talk all day. She, she just has so much wisdom to share and I love that in a world where many of us are kind of rushing forward on our projects and our life that she is finding these ways to push back on us about those notions and encourage us to enjoy the process, slow down our stitching, play with color and fabric, and find ways to cherish our quilting friendships and make time for them. I'm just feeling so inspired after that chat, and I can't wait to pick up a copy of Jen's book and just savor the experience of reading it. We'll link to Jen's website and her social media in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. And also, we mentioned a few times that Jen's profile featuring beautiful photos of her store and her sewing studio is coming up in our August issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. And you definitely don't want to miss it. It's so beautiful. So if you're not already a subscriber, you can save 60% off a one-year subscription through our podcast show notes. So visit our show notes and toward the top of the page, you'll see a link to subscribe. And if you subscribe soon, your first issue will be that August issue. So no time like the present. Thanks everyone for joining us and have the best week.